And I want to invite us in this time that it's not just the time for all the stuff that we see around us and it's good things and fun and family and all of that is good. But that's not what this time is about. This is an invitation for us to reflect on the mission of Jesus to rescue planet earth. That God would in great wisdom and love and mercy and kindness that you and I will never ever be able to understand the fullness of that. That he would send his, man, his son on this mission. Come and rescue humankind. Reconcile humankind to its creator. And in this time my friends as much as we want to have fun and I want us to invite this morning to shut some of those voices down in our lives in the season because at this time I feel God wants to rip open our hearts and He wants to freshly pour grace into us so that we are awestruck and stand in wonder. I want to ask you this morning, as the message of Jesus, as the gospel become a little sideshow for you to make your life tick? Or are you awestruck and wondered this morning about the mission of God? If you consider yourself a follower of Christ, if you say, there was a point in my life when I heard the gospel, either I read it or somebody explained it to me or somebody preached it and I understood it and I decided to become a Christ follower. If you're in that category this morning, then I want to invite you at this time to set aside the stuff, to quiet the voices and to open your heart to the message of Jesus afresh. I'm not cross with anybody this morning. I don't, I'm not having a bad morning, right? I'm preaching it myself here. And I'm inviting you to come along. Because I need Jesus again. I need to preach the gospel to myself again. I need to be standing in awe and wonder again. And if you're not a a follower of Christ and you've come in this morning with lots of questions and and you say, Krista, this message of Jesus, I've heard it, but it doesn't really make sense to me. I want to say welcome. You've come to the right place. This is the place where we'll try our best to answer your questions. We may still be on the journey with you. We know better or worse. We may be a little bit ahead of the game, but we've been forgiven and we'll do whatever we can to help you. And so this is a place where you can Come and belong before you believe. That's our invitation to our city, isn't it? Come with us. To journey with us. And to discover Jesus with us. Because for those of us who put our, our faith in Jesus, there's still a lot of discovery to be done, people. And so this morning I want to come to a passage that may not be the easiest to get our heads around, but I want us to come to this thing of Jesus, our reconciler. I want us to turn to Colossians chapter 1. 
If you're at home and you've got a Bible or here or it's on the screen. But before I try to open up this passage, let me pray for us. Father, as we stand in your presence, as we sang this morning of your great mercy and love towards us, I want to ask Jesus that you speak to us this morning. I pray, Lord, that you will help all of us to put some of the other voices calling for our attention aside and so that we can hear the voice that matters, the voice of Jesus. And I invite you this morning to come and change my life afresh, Lord, to come and stir me for your things. And all of us in this room this morning, as we want to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to pick it up, Colossians chapter 1 from verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his saints in the kingdom of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's jump to verse 19. For in the Son, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, you lift church, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above approach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Two really important questions that this passage is trying to answer. The first one is, how did Jesus come to earth? And the second one is, why did Jesus come to earth? We get the answer for the first question in verse 19. It says, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. That's incarnation. That is God becoming one of us. God being physical, being human. I know it sounds mind-blowing and astounding, but it's true. That is what happened. And the second question is answered in verse, the very next verse, verse 20, and through him to reconcile. That's reconciliation. How Jesus came, incarnation. Why he came, reconciliation. And reconciliation was at the heart of Jesus' mission to earth. God so desire that you and I would be in authentic, real, open, close relationship with Him, that He was willing to send His Son on this mission to accomplish it. And this passage has a lot to say about reconciliation. But I want to pull out for us this morning, or at least try to pull out for us this morning, three big ideas. And they are the following. Our need for reconciliation how this reconciliation actually comes about, and then finally, what the long-term effect of this reconciliation is in our lives. So let's jump right in. Number one, 
our need for reconciliation. This, my friends, is a pretty big question. An awful lot of people in our society, in our culture, walks around with this question, and they're asking, why do I need to be reconciled to God? What's the big deal? And this passage clearly says that the human race has a broken relationship with its Creator. All of us in this room or online have had or still have a broken relationship with God, and so we need reconciliation. In verse 13, it says that outside of Christ, when we're in an unreconciled state, we live in the domain of darkness. Then verse 21, if we're outside of Christ, we are alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. My friends, Paul is using some very strong language here. Darkness, alienated, hostile, evil deeds. And these words, we need to get to the bottom of them to get the full picture of our need for reconciliation. And so I want to open a few of these phrases. Number one, that we are in darkness. We are blind to the message of Jesus. Call it spiritual blindness, if you like. We may accumulate much earthly wisdom and education, but we are out of touch with ultimate reality. Ephesians 2 says, without Christ, death is our destiny. Even at our best behavior, we are still ruled by a sinful nature. And worst of all, we are under God's judgment. See, when we're in darkness, though in our lives there may be some wonderfully exciting times, we need to know that there's a tragic gloominess hanging over us which we can't escape. We're not able to live the life that God intended us to live. We see outside of Christ that we are alienated from God. Our sinfulness has cut us off from God, if you like. Isaiah puts us as follows in Isaiah 59 verse 2. It says, but your iniquities, your sinfulness has separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. So that, you, so that he will not hear. This is the main reason, my friends, why throughout the ages people have walked around and feeling that there's something missing in their lives. I was one of them. I walked with this burning question in my life for 35 years. Could God be true? What if this is real? And it was, it was working away inside of me, and, the, and we've seen this throughout the ages People sense that something is missing. Uh, French uh, psych, uh, physicist Blaise Pascal put it like this. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man and woman which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. This emptiness in us. One of my favorite rock bands of all time, I'm dating myself, a foreigner wrote a song, the lyrics of which is the following. It says, I'm worried about the world that we live in. I'm worried about all the confusion. I wonder about the lives, about the lies I've been reading. I wonder where this madness is leading. Is this a road going nowhere or is somewhere leading us somewhere? I can't believe we're here for no reason. 
there must be something we can believe in. This is man's mission to find the meaning in life. And my friends, I cannot believe this lie that says that you grow up, you're born, you go to school, you get an education, you find a wife, you get married, you have kids, you get a job, and then you die. That cannot be life. People say to me, Krista, how can you believe in the gospel? I say to them, well, how can you not believe this? Are you going to try and convince me that that's all that life's about? And so this emptiness inside us, this is what Paul is, is describing you, is describing to all of us this morning. And that's why, my friends, throughout the ages, people have sought for God's substitutes. In the Old Testament, those were stone idols. In our lives, they, they're a little bit more subtle. They're things like money and success and accomplishment. That's not wrong. It's just that we stuff our lives with those things that only God can satisfy us when there's a problem. We go after these idols, hoping that they'll fill the gap, that we will no longer be alienated, and that won't happen. Outside of Christ, we tend to be hostile-minded. Let's face it, the message of Jesus does not come naturally to us. We have, we have strong issues with the triune God and God's judgment and, and His, His omnipresence, the Holy Spirit. These things don't come naturally to us. We struggle with them. And then perhaps most of all, outside of Christ, our lives tend towards evil deeds. You see this alienation, this gap, and the loneliness that it leaves makes us live lives that does not reflect God's character. And so instead of, instead of being courageous and consistent and full of courage and hope and integrity, we fall short and we're dishonest and we're selfish and we're full of revenge. And if you say to me this morning, Christo, surely evil deeds sound like a little bit of an overstatement here. Well, let me soften it to you. Let me use language that may be more applicable for our age. And let me say that, that we all fall short of God's divine law. Thanks. Try and stay with me on this. I want to draw the analogy between human laws and God's laws. And why do we need human laws? Think about it. Why do we need laws that governs our society? We have human laws so that you and I can get along with each other, right? There's laws in place that make sure that there's an element of order, that, that we treat each other with dignity and, and, and respect. That's why human laws exist. If you break a human law, if you break into my house and you steal my property, you are breaking the relationship with that community. If you get caught, you cannot simply say to the judge, well, I'm sorry. There will be consequences. You will lose your privileges. You may even be put in prison. And so we obey human laws to bring about order. So what about God's law then? How will you summarize God's law? Well, the Bible tells us it's very simple. It's to trust God and to love Him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In other words, don't treat God as anything less than what He is. When you live for yourself, when you live like you've created yourself, you are treating God as less than what He is. 
And when you act like that, you break his law and there are consequences, my friend. When we break human laws, there are consequences. There is a debt that has to be repaid. Otherwise, we wouldn't have an orderly society. And similarly, when we break the divine laws of God, there is a price to be paid. There are some consequences. What the Bible is saying is making sense. We are unholy. We are blemished. We fall short, all of us. And when we're in this broken, unreconciled relationship with God, then yes, even evil deeds are part of our lives. Now there's a lot about the Christian faith It took me years to figure out. Some of it still mystery that surrounds issues that I, I just cannot fathom. But friends, this is not one of them. Surely this makes perfect sense. You cannot sin, ag sin against God. You cannot treat Him as less than what He is and simply walk away and say, well, no problem. There are consequences. An unreconciled state is a very serious situation. And that's why I'm so grateful for my next point. Point two is how does this reconciliation come about? Verse 20 tells us, it says, Through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. By how? By making peace through His blood. Verse 22, he, he has reconciled you to Christ's physical body through His death. Friends, this couldn't be any clearer. The way that Jesus wants to reconcile us to God is through His death on the cross. He has made peace with us. We are no longer alienated. You and I now have access to the very heart of God who we can call our Father. Isn't that an amazing thought? And now we can see that God is not just a God of justice who will not leave our sins unpunished, oh, but He's also a God of love who is willing to send His Son to die on the cross for us. He no longer counts our sin against us. You and I are accepted, not on the basis of what we do, but on the basis of what Jesus has done. And what's more, this gift of reconciliation we will have for us into eternity. We are united with God forever. Isn't that amazing? Again, some phrases here that I want to open up for us to fully get our heads around. Through Christ we have been qualified. I love that word. Verse 12 says, He has qualified you. He has, he has made you. God has worthied you. He has made you worthy for the kingdom. He has given you a worthiness. Notice it doesn't say you obey and then you get into heaven. No, it says that God qualifies you and then you come into the kingdom. God is not standing at the top of the ladder this morning and saying, come on people, you can work a little bit harder for my favor. Jump through a few more hoops. Climb a few more steps. He's not saying that. He's sending Jesus down the ladder and says, I'm coming to qualify you for my kingdom. I'm coming to make you ready. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter how sinful you've been. Doesn't matter how rebellious your heart is. Jesus came to qualify you and I to be reconciled to God forever. And then verse 13, through Christ, 
we have been transferred. It says that we have been transferred into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of His beloved Son. You see, my friends, we are no longer blind to the gospel. Our spiritual blindness is gone, and we have a new king. And this is not a cruel, oppressive king. He rules towards us with grace and love and mercy and kindness and, one and, and righteousness. And even this morning, if your life seems to be in the dark, if you seem to be facing dark times, you need to know that from God's perspective, there's a wonderful light hanging over you. The gloominess has been lifted. And the wonderful possibility exists for you and I to live the way that God intended to from the start. To be in a worshipful relationship with Him. And in this kingdom, God loves and delights in us as much as He delights in His own Son. Go check out John 17. And so we have received this transfer from darkness into light. It's like receiving a transfer of citizenship. The moment that you move from the citizenship of one country to another, you may not, you may not say that uh, you experience that transfer. But the scripture tells us that it's true. When you move into the citizenship of heaven, it is not a 10-stage process. It is not a long to-do list. It is a one-stage redefinition of our lives in the eyes of God. From darkness into light, into His kingdom. And then this phrase that we have been redeemed, in whom, verse 14, in whom we have redemption. The word redemption there, the actual word we sang about this morning so beautifully, the actual word is ransom. The Greek is apolotron. It means that somebody pays a ransom for you. When you are in jail or in bondage or in slavery, and somebody comes and put a whole pile of money down. They said, I'm buying your freedom for you. With this money, you become a free man. That is what Jesus did. That's the ransom that he paid. When he came to earth and he took all our sins upon himself, he paid a ransom so that you and I can be free this morning. We are out of bondage, out of slavery. He paid the price. The great exchange took place on the cross where he took our unworthiness upon him and replaced it with righteousness in God's eyes. The great exchange, people. That's what redemption means. That's, the, that's at the heart of this mission that Jesus came. To lay down his life so that you and I can be reconciled to our God. But not only did He qualify us and transferred us and made us worthy and reconcile us, I want us to see that, that there's also a long-term effect of this reconciliation on our lives. There's more at stake here. Verse, uh, second half of verse 22, He says, And now He is reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. You heard that? to present you holy and blameless above reproach. Paul is simply saying here that God has reconciled us for a significant long-term effect, the holiness of our lives. 
that Paul is saying that now that we are reconciled, Jesus wants to, as a priority, make you blameless and holy. Why? Because on judgment day, he wants to show us off. He wants to show the transformation that has happened. He wants to say, ah, oh, my friend so-and-so, yes, I remember him. He had a cold heart. He was full of rebellion. Look at him today. Holy. Blameless. And what's our role in this, what theologians call progressive holiness, taking on more of the character of Christ? What is our role in this? Well, verse 23 gives us the answer. It says, we must continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. You saw that, people. Now that we're in this state of reconciliation, we've made peace with God, and Paul is writing and telling us that he want, Jesus wants to prepare us for that day that we live for increasingly, the day that we'll meet our Creator again. And he's saying, what do we need to do in the meantime? He says, continue in your faith. It's one thing believing Christ at a point for your salvation. But do you still trust Him this morning for His presence and His provision and His power and His comfort and His guidance and His protection? Because that, according to this verse, will make you stable and steadfast. There's a consistency, a stableness, a tenacity, a steadfastness as we continue our faith. Paul is saying, don't shift your hope in the gospel. We so easily lose the big picture. We get distracted by the temptations and the challenges and the complexities of this life. And Paul's saying, no, you desperately need the gospel every day. Because if you don't, you will begin to drop your anchor in the temporal hopes of this world, the same values, instead of building your life on the rock of Christ. Continue in the faith. Open your heart up to the gospel every day so that Jesus can work in you and under His reign, miraculous transformation can take place. Paul Tripp, theologian and author, puts beautiful words to this. I want to describe some of this. There's a few categories of people here. And as you sit and listen to this this morning, I wonder if you can, you can find your little place in one of these categories. He says, he says, fools denying his existence, worshiping their own wisdom, become those become those through reconciliation, becomes those who surrender their lives, who bow their knees in humble, heartfelt worship. Fiercely rebellious hearts, perhaps that's where you were, hardened against His commands, become compliant, willingly surrendering to His call. Fear-riddled, anxious, timid people, haunted by doubt, paralyzed by hopelessness, now live with his souls at rest, full of courage and hope. Angry, divisive, controlling, aggressive people, by his power, arise to become giving, generous, loving peacemakers. Suffering people, 
once filled with anger against him, curse him no more, doubt him no longer, but run to him for the comfort and rest that only he can give us. And selfish people, laboring for their own pleasure, hoarding their resources, storing away their own treasures, now have sympathetic, willing, liberal, joyful, giving hearts in them. My friends, that is what happens when we cling to the gospel. This is the magical transformation that happens. And the end result is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That's what our lives begin to look like under the reign of His amazing grace, miraculous transformation takes place. Elise and our lives intersected with a couple who were um, not only in desperate need for reconciliation horizontally, but also vertically. You see, this couple uh, for many years struggled to have kids and paid a small fortune and tried every possible treatment and it all failed. And so their lives began to drift apart. They began to run at some of the stuff that society or culture wanted to offer them as a solution. And it didn't work well. By the time I got a call from the husband, they were in absolute desperate state. And as I agreed to meet a man that I've never seen before in my life and began to listen to his story, there was a desperation in his voice that they were heading to lose everything. Everything that they built together was going to disappear. They have physically separated. They've moved apart. They've started dabbling with other loves in their lives. And as I began to listen to a man sitting with tears in his eyes describing what he was going through, we struck up a friendship. I began to meet him began to tell him about the possibility of a miraculous transformation that can happen when we reconcile to God. And this man had a lot of questions. And his wife at this stage was completely against any meeting with us and she wanted to know nothing of him. She said it was over, they've separated, they moved out. And so we started praying for them. over time my heart softened and we could meet with her and we could meet with them and we could talk to them about this grace that we're so desperate for in our lives and they began to find God and they began to find each other then we prayed for them and they adopted two beautiful boys. And we got them together and they baptized them in our swimming pool. Miraculous transformation happens under the grace of God. In this season, my friends, we need to lift our sights. I'm all for the fun and the celebration. Don't get me wrong. I'm 
looking forward to on Christmas Day open one of the best bottles of wine I have in my cellar. But man, I'm pleading to God. Make me thirsty for you. Open my heart in this season. If you've become bored with your faith, if your, your walk with Jesus has become mediocre, I want to remind you that he's done it all for us. He was the one who came down the steps. He is the one who worthied you, who qualified you. He's the one who, who, who filled that missing part in your life when you were alienated and in darkness. He's done it all. And this morning, it's not a rebuke in any way. It is an invitation. It is an invitation to open your heart in this season in a new way to the King who wants us to be mesmerized with Him in the love that He deposited into our lives. It's a, lo it's a love that you cannot get your head around, that you cannot fully understand, that you will never get to the bottom of. Boy, it's a love that we need. And so I want us just to, as we are sit here this morning, and if Mark's ready, I want us just to do something a little different and just reflect on a song. The words of it will be on the screen. And folks, this is your time to just do some business with God. As you see these words on the screen, as you ask the Holy Spirit this morning, come and stir me again. Let me see you again. Jesus, speak to me again. Let's do that. Savior, I come quiet my soul.
this morning some of us need to find ourselves on our knees before you again God we're grateful for the mission of Jesus which meant that we can be reconciled to our creator forever it's a pure work of grace how can we ever be thankful enough for the rescuing act that you've performed so that we can have peace with our Creator. But I pray for myself this morning, I pray for my friends in this room and online. I want to pray for those who would, God, we just need to open our hearts to you afresh. We need your touch. Holy Spirit, we need you to woo us and to Shine the light on Jesus and who He is and what He's done for us afresh. God, we repent of our attitude, our mindset, our hearts, where we've gone stale, where we've gone hard, perhaps even rebellious. Rip open our hearts this morning, Jesus, we pray. Come and do some open surgery on us. So we can see you again. From darkness to light. Qualified. Redeemed. Restored. I wonder if you this morning... Just where you sit, this is an opportunity for, for all of us just to reach out to God afresh. If you are a follower of Christ, won't you, won't you just thank Him for what He's done? Won't you ask Him, Holy Spirit, won't you open my eyes, open the eyes of my heart, Jesus, that I can see you. We need you, Jesus. Without you, our lives are desperate. Perhaps you came this morning and you don't have this relationship with Christ. And you're welcome. 
You're so welcome. Jesus does not want you to work your way to him. He's come down the ladder to qualify you, to make you ready, to make you worthy for, for your king. And perhaps something in all of what you've heard this morning stir your heart to say, yes, Jesus, I want to live for you. I've tried the other ways. I've lived for myself long enough. It's a cul-de-sac that leads us to nowhere. God wants to lift the tragic luminous over your life this morning. Don't delay it anymore. And just where you sit, say a simple prayer in your own language, in your own words. Father, I come to you this morning. Thank you that you have made the forgiveness of my sin possible. Thank you that this great exchange took place on the cross where I dumped all my unbelief and my sinfulness on you and, and the great exchange took place. I can this morning come into a righteous standing with my Creator, the living God. Just say those words to him. He's so ready to receive you in his kingdom. So we worship you, Father. We thank you for the magnificent reconciliation.